Oh, we're getting ready for the showdown in H-Town. The final four in the space city of Houston. Cannot wait for San Diego State to meet Florida Atlantic, followed by Miami and UConn. Two spots up for grabs for Monday night in the national championship of the craziest of tournaments, this 2023 NCAA basketball men's championship event that has been going on for the last couple of weekends. Welcome back in to the nation's college basketball show and podcast. It is college basketball coast to coast. I am the somewhat capable host. TJ Reeves got some outstanding guests uh, coming up here to go over all of this uh, with me leading into the final four and a semifinal Saturday at NRG Stadium in Houston, the home of the Houston Texans in football, but it is the home, the mecca of college basketball for this weekend. Some 70,000-plus will be in there on Saturday night. We'll be part of all of it on College Basketball Coast to Coast, previewing it Saturday afternoon, recapping it Sunday night, more live coverage on this uh, live tune-in channel, College Basketball Coast to Coast, but also the podcast form of College Basketball Coast to Coast, wherever you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Find us throughout the weekend. Previews, recaps of the game, Saturday night, late night recap, Sunday content, uh, Monday preview, Monday night recap. It's all from Houston no matter what happens, and we're glad that you're with us along the way here on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Straight ahead, Mark Wise will be with me momentarily. Love his insight from the ESPN family of networks. Mark, though, also having been part of a Final Four as an assistant coach with Purdue previously and also as a broadcaster with the last back-to-back in Final Four history, the Florida Gators of 06 and 07 in this century went back-to-back. Mark will tell you stories about that, give you his X's and O's coming up in a few moments. Look forward to talking with him. Then right after that, my man, Ari Russell, my wingman, who for so many years has been with me at these Final Fours, really for going on almost 20 years with SiriusXM and with TuneIn. Uh, Ari not able to be with me in Houston due to other work duties, family duties, but he is a Miami Hurricane alum, and he's officially torn on not being there with his team, making the Final Four for the first time uh, ever as they get ready to play UConn Saturday. What will happen? Ari's going to give you insight on his fandom of being a Hurricane fan really for the last 25 years, uh, the Jim Laranega connection uh, to uh, previous George Mason Final Four run, but Laranega also a Washington, D.C. high school guy uh, as well in terms of uh, uh, recruiting and also coaching. Ari's got great insight because he was – a Washington, D.C. high school guy who ended up now at Miami as an alum, now for Miami to be there with Jim Laranega. So Ari's going to share all of this, his insight on the game, and why his daughter may very well be the good luck charm for the Canes. Can they make the title game or not? So Ari Russell coming up on this program. And also my guy, Chris Daubertine, bloggingthebracket.com, bloggingthebracket.com is where you find him. He's given me great insight all throughout the years. Uh, here on college basketball coast to coast on the bracket and how they did it right. I, I particularly want to come to him. It's obvious to say after the fact that it looks like a Florida Atlantic or a San Diego state was underseated, but Chris gives a little further examination on their body of work and what they maybe deserve from a seating standpoint, in particular, San Diego state uh, who comes out of a mountain West that got four bids from the committee that won the regular season, that won the conference tournament, and clearly looked like one of the best teams in college basketball despite having a five seed uh, next to their name. So we'll get Chris's thoughts on that, get his uh, opinions on what might happen on this semifinal Saturday and more 
uh, coming up in a little bit. So plenty to get to. Thanks also to our partners at Last Word on Sports, lastwordonsports.com, and uh, their podcast arm, lastwordonsports.com slash podcast for helping promote us as we get ready for the weekend and everything that's going to happen with Aztecs against Owls, Hurricanes, and Huskies. Let's get into all of it in the preview mode right now. As mentioned, I have done this so many different times with this man. I am going through a little bit of withdrawal that I'll be in Houston without him. I think the last time, Mark Wise, that we were at NRG Stadium together was Chris Jenkins hitting that bomb three to win right. for Villanova. And the place was literally shaking. Some of it was Charles Barkley jumping up and down on the set right by us, I think. <laughs> I don't right. know what we're in store for, but that's quite a memory. Good to have you and good to talk Final Four for a couple of moments. You know, it's interesting, TJ, because I've talked about this, not that Villanova team, but the next Villanova team that won the NCAA tournament and kind of steamrolled through the entire field. That's what UConn feels to me like this season. Mm, interesting. All right, so more on uh, a couple of quick previews of the game in a second. But you have been part of this event several different ways, including an assistant coach. I'm not making you out to be ancient, but you were part of a Final Four in 1980 with Purdue. What is right. it like to be part of the event on a coaching staff and with a team as you live from what you recall? Well, it's a little bit of a, a mixed bag for me because back then I was the, the student assistant the grad assistant, the director of ops, the, the director of player development. What they have about 10 guys for, Jeff Meyer and I were, were the only two that on staff that did all that work. And for us, it was a little bit bittersweet because we had just won the final four in Lexington. And, you know, most times in, in a final four setting, you're, you know, you've got this exotic thinking, you're going to fly into wherever the final four is. That particular year, uh, yeah, we got on a bus and drove 60 miles to Indianapolis because the <laughs> championship around the Final Four was actually in Market Square Arena back then. That that alone should date me. So from that standpoint, it was a little bit uh, of a letdown. But that being said, even then, it was a wonderful, you know, I still to this day, when Kenny Loggins' song, This Is It, comes on, that's the song they use to promote the final four. So immediately when I hear that, that's what I think about is that particular final four. Now I wish we had a couple of things back the way we played against UCLA that day and Kiki Vandaway and Larry Brown was the head coach at the time. And they went on and lost to Louisville in the finals. Now here's another thing that dates me. We were the next to last third place game. They had it the year following one more year, but uh, we actually beat a Big Ten foe in the third-place game, Iowa, with Ronnie Lester way back when. How about that? So there's some nostalgia. Again, moving forward in many of your broadcast duties, and we love Mark's work with ESPN now, the SEC Network, been with me on TuneIn and SiriusXM for years. covering How, how, college many, basketball. how many have we covered? How uh, many think, have we covered I think together? you and I have been around this together at least eight times. I would have to count up it maybe nine or ten times. Now, we have not – Right. Uh, post-pandemic, the last time that we were really around each other was Minnesota, I believe. You were with me in Minnesota, right. I think. So we've been around each other a bunch. But at part of your duties, uh, Florida Gator radio broadcast with the Hall of Fame uh, legendary voice of the Florida Gators, Mick Hubert. And in that instance, right. the Florida Gators not just one title win, 
but back-to-back title wins. When you reflect on those two runs, one of them, again, back in Indianapolis, where Florida beat UCLA, the other one the next year in Atlanta, where the Gators beat Ohio State, what do you reflect fondly about broadcasting Final Four championship games uh, as you got to do? You know, TJ, there's nothing that really prepares you, I don't think, as a coach for the enormity of the Final Four, whether you're talking about now that they play in stadiums and what what the challenges that that brings or the media responsibilities that you now have to do. Um, Here's what I remember about those. They were so different in so many ways. When Florida won it the first time and they went to Indianapolis, uh, you know, it was a shock that they had beaten Villanova in the in the regional final. And so they 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 did it as a five seed. And so everything was like seeing Disney for the first time. You know, you kind of have your mouth open and, and you just are kind of in awe of everything. Everything was wonderful in terms of that experience. The following year wasn't nearly as much fun. It wasn't as much fun for the players, the staff, for us. There was so much pressure around that team. Uh, it's the closest thing I've ever encountered personally in terms of paparazzi, in terms of wherever wherever Noah, Horford, Green, Humphrey, Brewer went, uh, there was a throng of people. They were Florida was expected to win. They were the number one overall seed, trying to do something that no team had done since Duke. And so again, that just kind of magnified in terms of the pressure and where the year before it was elation at winning that championship, I think the second time around, I think Billy Donovan, if you gave him truth serum, would tell you this, it was a big relief to win it the second time. But again, they still got it done, and it's the it's the only time in this century, we can now say it with a large enough sample size, that a team has gone back-to-back, and that obviously won't right. be the case uh, this year either in this because Kansas didn't get there for the chance to go back-to-back. I love Mark Wise's insight as we have had him all uh, throughout this March to Madness here. Uh, Mark work, working with uh, ESPN and the SEC uh, family of uh, of networks. Love his insight. Find him at MW Hoops on social media. All right, put on the analyst hat. Game one is yeah. San Diego State and a Florida Atlantic team that you saw all the way back in the pre-conference that has been rolling since then through Conference USA, through yeah. a couple of upsets of Tennessee and Kansas State. What does that game come down to, game number one on Saturday? Well, I'm going to give you kind of a very similar theme for both games. And when you look at that first game, you know, Golden, the big guy for FAU, has really improved as the season's gone along. He's played well here in the NCAA tournament. But San Diego State is going to, in layup lines, they're going to throw the ball inside. They're going to pound the ball inside. The magical number for me and Golden is 25. He must be on the floor for 25 or more minutes. FAU cannot win this game, I think, if Golden is in foul trouble and he gets to play 18, 19, 20 minutes. I think that spells trouble for the Owls. Is John L. Dixon the wild card here? Fantastic player and arguably the best offensive player on either team. Is he the wild card and difference maker maybe for Florida Atlantic? Well, he could be. I, I've, I've been asked this a lot this week. Does FAU have a pro? And I said, well, were we asking that question? And we agree that if you want to make, if you want to win at all, you better have a pro. 
Did we ask that question when Wichita State made the finals? We didn't know Fred Van Fleet was going to become mm -hmm. what he became. When Butler made the finals, we didn't ask if Gordon Hayward was going to be that. I think Davis has a chance to be that kind of guy. I think he's that good. He'll be that difficult of a matchup for San Diego State. But that being said, San Diego State, the best on-ball defensive team left in this tournament. They do not get beat off the bounce. Consequently, they do not get put into rotations. And you have said that for a couple of weeks, and, I, and we saw that defense together. Again, I keep bringing this up in Orlando when it all began, and it should be noted if we bring it up again. They were in some trouble against Charleston and had to find a way to win that game with stops, making yep. key free throws. They love the grinded-out, low-scoring game, but sometimes that's a high-wire act. All right, so game two, you've kind of alluded to UConn on such a roll. Miami, what a story with Jim Laranega. Final four, first time ever. Laranega back in the Final Four 17 years after George Mason, which lost to Florida on its way to that back-to-back -back national titles right. for the Gators. And oh, by the way, UConn in the way again, just like 2006. UConn in the way for George Mason to get to the Final Four, and they beat him. Now UConn in the, in the way in the Final Four. All right, what does this game come down to as you analyze it? Hurricanes, Huskies. I'm going to give you the exact same scenario and the same exact number of importance. You know, Miami, there's no question. They played late in the year without Norshad Omier as a, their big guy, their block-to-block -block presence. And if you're going to go up against UConn and the depth after – even after Sonogo, even the depth that, that they have behind him, they can throw big body after big body at you. So Omier has got to be on the floor again for 25 or more minutes for the Hurricanes to have a chance. Yeah, I love the backcourt. There's no question in, in terms of, of Miami's backcourt and the elite quickness. The two quickest teams here are FAU and Miami, especially in the backcourt. But if Miami wants to be there at the end, they're going to have to have an inside presence. And to me, that starts and ends with Omier. And he's been in foul trouble before, and Sonogo has been tremendous for UConn. I know that's what... Uh, you're saying and what's going into all of this. We'll see what the Hurricanes have. Again, Larinaga is the only coach out of this group that has Final Four experience. Will that matter? One more fun one before you're gone. We are both residents of the state of Florida. A lot of people think we're residents of the state of confusion, but we are residents of the state of Florida. We've been around a while in this state. If we get a Beach Armageddon Final Four somehow, some way of Florida, Atlantic, and Miami – I mean, yeah. Mark Wise, we've seen a lot of crazy things. We lived through a tornado 15 years ago uh, with the SEC. Right. We've seen a lot of crazy things. But if we get a Beach Armageddon Final Four, brother, I'm just saying. Yeah, here's the difficult thing. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Miami's got the worst draw in terms of the Final Four. There's no question about that. Because even if you get through UConn, you're, you're going to have to play one of the other two. Whereas FAU and San Diego State, they only have to get UConn in the finals. They don't have to go through them up front. Um, I, again, I come back to, in 1983, I was fortunate enough to be in Albuquerque in the pit. And on semifinal Saturday, you couldn't get a ticket. But it wasn't because of the first game. It was because of the second game between Houston and Louisville. And once Houston won that game, nobody, nobody gave NC State a chance. I think we've kind of got the same thing going on here. UConn, by most people's, uh, uh, prognostication, including mine. They're the best team there. They're the best team in Houston, and I think they will win. But 
somebody's going to play them Monday night, and it's not two out of three. It's not That's three right. out of five. It's not four out of seven. It's a one-game deal. And uh, you look at how competitive Butler, by the way, played Duke just as a reference point. They're the only one of the mid-majors to get by this game. Now, they played another mid-major in Virginia Commonwealth right. in the 2010 uh, Final Four semifinal. But they played Duke right to the buzzer in that game. And if Florida Atlantic somehow gets this done to get to the title game, they've got 36 wins. You know this. And will have beaten yeah. Tennessee, Kansas State, and San Diego State to get there. Talk about a puncher's chance. We shall see. Listen, I will miss being around uh, Coach Mark Wise this weekend in H-Town. I don't know that we get a duplicate of Chris Jenkins' bomb three to win it. We'll see what happens. Thank you for the insight on all things Final Four. I love bugging you on college basketball coast-to-coast. Coast. We'll do this again. Have a great Final Four weekend from a distance. I'll try to survive the Lone Star State without you, my friend. Thanks, TJ. and Enjoy the Final Four. The conversation shall continue in a couple of moments. First, let's tell you about our friends at BetUS who want to give you, yes, you, a $50 free bet this weekend for the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight by using their online service. They're America's favorite sports book, and you want to take advantage of this offer. Get a free bet with our promo code BRACKET23. Bracket 23 gets you a free $50 bet for the NCAA tournament. You can really use it on anything you want. But why would you not use it on March Madness with all these Sweet 16 games? Whether it's Alabama and San Diego State, Florida Atlantic, Tennessee, Xavier, Texas, Gonzaga, UCLA, UConn, Arkansas, on and on. A free $50 bet awaits you at BetUS. They've got outstanding coverage of all of the sports. They've been America's favorite sports book for going on 30 years you bet you win. You get paid with BetUS. Free bet awaits you. Use our promo code BRACKET23 for that free bet. BRACKET23 gets you a free $50 bet for the March Madness coverage with BetUS. As mentioned, this guy has been with me over and over and over again at Final Four's past. And now as an alum of the University of Miami, I am in Houston and he is not in Houston due to other work duties, family duties, and it's got to be bothersome. I won't I won't speak for him. The U is in the final four, Ari Russell. Mm -hmm. So I, I am here on your behalf. I am your proxy as we get ready for these national semifinal games. First of all, how are you? I, I have been in contact with you away from the mic, away from the shows. I know there's euphoria. And now it's about to be a reality, Miami in the Final Four. I mean, I'm pinching myself, finally. I mean, I, I began college at the University of Miami at Coral Gables in August of 1997. And since then, um, you know, I've been waiting for this moment. Um, because, I'm, you know, I love football as well, but, but college basketball, for those who know me, has always been my passion. I mean, I grew up a uh, Sherman Douglas fan. Basically, and I, I love Syracuse for, for a long time because of Sherman Douglas, mainly because he was a D.C. guy at a Spingarn High School, which is now closed, unfortunately. Um, but then when I went to Miami, obviously, I became a fan um, and got to know the players pretty well at the time. Some of them I still keep in touch with to this day that were there when I was there. Um, but, um, you know, to see this moment now culminate, you know, what is it, 20 five years later, 26 years later coming up, um, is, is remarkable. And one thing that I do want to bring up, and I'm not sure if this 
is something that has, anyone has brought up, but is this the first team that ever made the Final Four that stopped their basketball program and restarted it again? I'm I'm curious if that's ever happened. It would be I, a I, good question, and we would have to look. I would right. think maybe one other one, but they're probably the only one is the answer. Go ahead. And, and that's different than, like, I know FAU is a newer program, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they began in the 80s as well. Um, but it's different when you stop a program and have to start it again. Um, and it took a while. Look, look, I was there with uh, – Vern, uh, with uh, when Vernon Jennings was the point guard, uh, Kevin Norris before him uh, was a senior when I was a freshman. Uh, Tim James, obviously, is the name everyone brings up. Um, th- those guys, uh, Johnny Helmsley, Elton Tyler, you know, uh, Mario Bland, another undersized. You're center. speaking my late 90s, early 2000s yeah. so, uh, Miami uh, basketball language right like, now. And so, you know, those are the guys that, that you know, obviously John Sammons and, and James Jones. James Jones was a freshman on that first team that went to the Sweet 16, um, and he ended up hurting his ankle. They lost to Tulsa. Um, I believe uh, Tubby Smith was the coach of that Tulsa team, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, was he? Maybe. Um, anyway, it, it, it goes back to then that Coach Hamilton really built up that program from the ground up. Uh, you know, early 90s when they joined the Big East, mainly because of football, and that's what really elevated the program. And Coach Ham brought in and developed a great concept, and and they won, and they won a lot. Um, and then obviously he took the Wizards' job, where he was there for one year, if that, uh, which was just you know a dumb move, really, because the Wizards were an awful organization at the time. Uh, but anyway, he's at Florida State now. Meanwhile, Coach Larinaga, they hired in 2011, I believe it was. And when they hired him, and I, we were in contact then as well, obviously. And, you know, I, I was excited for the hire. Obviously, I was familiar with Larinaga being from D.C. And uh, obviously watching them make it to the Final Four and then watching them lose in the national semifinal against the, the soon-to-be champion, back-to-back champions. That was the first end of it, uh, Florida which was a remarkable team. Um, they played pretty well in the first half, but just too much Florida uh, in the second half. But but when they hired Larinaga, basically, it was it was something that I was so excited for because I knew what we were getting. I knew how he built his culture at George Mason, and I knew that he was going to have the resources that uh, were necessary to be successful. Um, and probably one of the most likable guys in all the college sports. Uh, it just... It, genuinely likable person uh fit right into the community and you know last year obviously they made the elite eight this year a step further and i know that they're you know in the mindset of winning the national championship um you know he he said he states like the uh the seven um you know highly you know habits he had mentioned that in the post game press conference you begin with the end in sight um you know and and that's really you can tell that this team was motivated to 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 get beyond the elite eight this year, um, and I expect their motivation to go beyond that uh, and to win a national championship game. It's mm. it's not enough. I'm just saying that's what I mean. Everyone at this point is motivated, right? That's so the like, mentality that it has you, to you be. You have to have that saying. mentality, right? Not just to be happy to be there. Now, Larinaga is the only coach that has Final Four experience. He understands it, and he mentioned. 
you know, when they asked him the other day, actually, I think it was on uh, Wilbon and uh, and uh, part of the interruption with uh, Kornheiser and Wilbon, right? And they brought him on. Obviously, they're familiar with him being in the D.C. area as well. Um, and And they asked him, like, what experience? He's like, well, you know, he just has to prepare them for the atmosphere, uh, mainly like the playing atmosphere. He's like, it's kind of like playing outside. It's not like the same type of scenario that you are in an arena. You're playing in such a vast kind of ether, basically. I mean, mm-hmm. And and so you have to make an adjustment for that play and obviously the environment, the scrutiny um, and what have you. But but I, there's no doubt in my mind that that he's preparing them and his experience being there as a coach is going to be a huge benefactor for the team. All right, so it begs this question. Yeah. They were able to take the next step. How was this team, with Larinaga's guidance, able to take that next step in Kansas City last weekend? Put your th- finger on something or maybe a couple of things that got them to this point in the threshold. I mean, they got the guys, man. Like, at the end of the day, they have a starting five that is as talented as starting five in the nation. I mean, every single player on that starting five could get buckets, period. Went, went one way or another. Um, and it, it, they were down 13 in the second half, with and, and they won that game by seven um, without making a single three-point shot in the second half. That's impressive. They just played their game. And and there was a part, again, in the post-game press conference that, uh, you know, they had asked the players and they said, uh, you know, and Larinaga had brought this up too. He said, you know, I, I, I don't tell them to play the score. I just tell them to play the game. And there was one point where Larinaga, it was really funny. Uh, he was like, we're down four. And then Luka Poplar goes up. He's like, coach, we don't play the score. We play the game. This is a timeout. <laughs> Used it back on he him. Reminded. He was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, I mean, it, it's just a matter they trust each other. They, you know, they don't get rattled. And they didn't get rattled in that game. I mean, it just, it just even keel. And and uh, that's that's part of it. And they played a lot of close games this year. Um you know, the Drake game, they were down eight late and they went on a huge surge at the end of that one. And it didn't seem they were rattled in that. And even though they were disruptive so offensively, probably as much uh, as they had been all season in that game. Um, and, and they still won again, I think by seven or eight going away. Um, and, and just and it just didn't look like it did, didn't look like there was doubt in their minds. And I think that's a huge, huge uh, factor in, in why they won that game against Texas. I know we don't have this for much longer because you've got to go. We need to roll on as we're previewing the final four with Ari Russell, my wingman for the better part of 20 years on Sirius XM and also on TuneIn for over the last decade. Ari and I were together for that final four in Indianapolis in 2006. And there's a whole bunch of stories in and around that final four that had George Mason playing Florida in the (laughs) semifinal with Jim Laranega as the coach. Now, 17 years later, he takes another program there. For the first time. So I got three more things that I want to ask you. The Mm -hmm. first thing is the bookends, because 17 years later, after beating UConn to go to the final four at George Mason, how wild, what a twist. You make the final four and it's UConn in front of you again. Something on that, (laughs) something on that, please, for this upcoming semifinal game. I mean, again, it's 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 pretty impressive. You know, now they got UConn again. Obviously, that was a Jim Calhoun UConn. This is you know, Dan Hurley, who's done an absolute 
bang up job there. I mean, what a what a what an amazing way he's brought that program back. Um, but it's pretty cool. It's just it's just the cool, you know, it's a cool ordeal that they that they've that they're here with UConn again in front of them. You know, uh, you know, obviously it's a step further than it was last time in the Elite Eight, much bigger stage. Um, but it's 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 pretty cool, and um, you know, I'm excited about the matchup. All the experts I've seen, I don't see, I haven't seen anyone take Miami other than a Miami homer, pretty much. Mm-hmm. All the experts are saying UConn, and and for good reason. I mean, UConn is playing the best basketball there is. Unlike the UConn that made it to the Elite Eight that year, who was like the consensus number one overall seed in that tournament, they really weren't playing that great. They didn't play that great even in that tournament. They weren't playing great leading into the tournament. They just had a lot of talent, you know, on paper. And, uh, you know, this UConn team is is different because they are going this way where I felt like the other UConn team was kind of just, mm-hmm. you know, they, I just That's feel fair. like they were That's know, fair. it in. I mean, look, UConn, UConn has beaten every team in this tournament by 15 or more. Will that continue? Will the hot shooting continue? That's what we're going to find out, and maybe Miami has a say-so in that. All right, so two more. You've had four or five days leading into this Final Four weekend to be in communication with friends, acquaintances, fellow alumni, other people. What is the buzz? And is everybody trying to make – even though you can't be in H-Town with me here. Is everybody trying to make their way to H-Town? What's the the update on the Coral Gables, South Florida pipeline to Houston right now for this game? Almost – I have a lot of people that I know are going. Um, you know, that some of them can't go just like me, uh, and they're very upset about it. I mean, I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of upset about it. Uh, but I'm not going to lie to you. My daughter Bronx, um, which is funny because that's where Jim Laranag is from originally, the Bronx. <laughs> right. Um, my daughter has been a good luck charm and I'm not a big, big, you know, good luck person. Like, I don't really believe I'm not superstitious like that, but Look, she's been watching the game, sort of watching the game, but been in the room with me while I'm watching the game. Um, and every time she would come back in the room, like running around the apartment, uh, Miami would start making some nice plays. So, so what you know, you're so, telling me is it yeah. outweighs being there in person to have Bronxy, your daughter, your nickname, yes. Bronxy, in the room with you as the good luck charm. You're afraid you're going to screw this up. You're you're afraid you're going to jinx this I if might. you mess I, up Bronxy in the room with you watching if, the Canes roll and win. If I go there, yeah. If I'm, uh, <laughs> I might. You know, so far so good. She's been like I said, like you know, like you know, we're we've won our games. We're four and up. You know, and she's been in the watching the games. Will okay been around me, uh, cheering me up when I was mad and you know, cussing at the screen. Yeah, that's saying what you, what you love. I know her first you words are going to be, yeah. <laughs> first words are not going to be good yeah. on that. Give me, a quick, give me a quick idea. How many Hurricane fans, alumni, do you think will be wow. in the building? Because there's a lot of guesses. You'd have good insight. My guess would be 10,000 or more. Do you Probably think so. it will be more than that? Well, I mean, here's the thing about Miami. It's not like, you know, a lot of people that don't know there, it's not a huge, like, it's not a state school. It's a private school. I don't think it has even over 10,000 or maybe it's 12,000 total between undergrad and graduate school. Uh, it's not like 30, 40, 50,000, 70,000, you know, like Ohio State or Texas, mm-hmm. you know, much smaller university. So the alumni base is much smaller because of that, you know, obviously. 
Um, you know, but I, I suspect they but but Miami does have a lot of sidewalk alums. I've noticed a lot in this particular group that I'm in, the uh which is actually the football group on Facebook, which has like sixty thousand, seventy thousand uh fans in there. A lot of chatter about the basketball team. They're like, Hey, this is a football group, but everyone's excited about Miami basketball now. We're like, Hey, we're a basketball school now. Women's made the Elite Eight. Uh, right. you know, so um like, look, we, we, we're going well. So everyone's excited. A lot of people are talking about going to Houston and that group. Um, you know, I know a lot of people myself are going to Houston are, are going to be there at some point, you know, um, the only chance I would go maybe very small if they win Saturday and then somehow find a way to, to, to Houston on, uh, that Monday turnaround. But I don't know if that's going to happen. I might, right. you know, if we win, I might, I might just have to stay home and watch the game with my daughter. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know that I would mess that up if you get a semifinal win. There is, obviously, we know this. There's a lot of donor money. There's a lot of big money in South Florida and around yeah. Miami and people around the program. They will be there. They will they will gravitate to Houston for this. So I'll be very curious. I will report back to you what it looks like in NRG Stadium as this thing gets underway for the second semifinal. Obviously, yeah. San Diego State and Florida Atlantic will play first. Uh, one more quick thing. You got FAU there as well. Yeah. I mean, I part of me is rooting for the for the beach Armageddon scenario of Florida <laughs> Atlantic and Miami just to see what this is. I know nationally that will be a ratings disaster if that's the case. But I, part of me, we've been there so many times for the Dukes and the Kentuckys and the Kansases and the North Carolinas to be in this a part at Michigan State, Syracuse in these Final Fours in the championship game. Part of me wants to see the beach Armageddon championship <laughs> game. With Florida Atlantic uh, Look, and and Miami, it's you know I mean it's that would be pretty cool. Like like I said, I've got friends and family that went to FAU as well, and we were talking like imagine, uh, you know, imagine if we actually meet in the finals. And this was mm-hmm. before the games on. This was before Saturday when when FAU punched their ticket, and we we're like, yeah, imagine that. But now it's a possibility. I mean, it's you know it's it's a big possibility. You know, so uh, that would be crazy. And, uh, you know, obviously both teams are in there for the first time. Um, you know, it, it would definitely be something. I think it still have interest. Like, let's be real. Like the ratings, this, the ratings, that like um, it's still going to have high ratings no matter what, because it always does. It's it's a standalone standalone game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's still going to be intrigue because you have a one school that's, you know, really kind of the underdog FAU, the mid major, um, which by the way, conference USA has been great in the postseason. you know, yes. they're going, they're going to, you know, they've got the, the finals of the NIT on lock, um, you know, and then Charlotte won the CBI. I mean, Correct. you know, I mean those, so, so it's not as bad of a conference, you know, they, FAU obviously had, to, and that's what they've been saying. Like, look, you know. We may have only had a one big league, but it wasn't an easy road in our conference. And and it wasn't it, 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 it at one point conference USA was a power conference. Let's be real when Memphis and Cincinnati. But but I did see going back to like FAU Miami, um, you know, I did see I think Mike DeCourcy wrote this about uh, if that is the final, it would be the first time since Ohio State and since a team from the same state played each other in the final. What Ohio State, to, Cincinnati in the Cincinnati 60s. 60s, early 60s. God almighty. That's, if I'm not mistaken, that's Big O's time at Cincinnati. Correct. Right. And if I'm not mistaken as well, that's Bobby Knight and John Havlicek era. As Ohio players, State. you are correct. As yeah. players. So as players. 
Uh, we go back in the nostalgia. That would be wild that it hasn't been like two Texas teams. It wasn't two California teams at any point with all the UCLA teams since then. Uh, same thing with not two North Carolina teams. Obviously, Duke and Carolina hadn't played in the Final Four till we were there last year right. in Louisiana. So that that part would be wild. All right, one more in closing because yeah. you have to go. You mentioned how you are watching this game and uh, and watching it with your daughter and uh, I, I, you know, living vicariously through me and others that are there. If Miami gets the win, it's not the championship. If Miami gets the win, the significance. Where does it register on the significance scale if they get to this title game, or do they have to follow through and win it for it to really register on the significance scale? What say you in closing? Honestly, I mean, at this point, making the Final Four is as significant as it gets. I mean, uh, from from the fan base, obviously, if we lose, it's a disappointment. You all want your team to win every single game. You get disappointed when your team doesn't win. But you have to look back at it and be like, what a year and what a what a program that coach l has has done it and and they took it a step further from last year i mean last year they took it the furthest step they've ever gotten the elite eight um as a 10 seed um and and had a six point lead on kansas at the half who ended up winning the title you know anyway um so it's like all right we lost the team that ended up winning it all anyway uh so it's it it was kind of all right but we want to get it a step further this year at the beginning of this year that was kind of what a lot of us diehard Miami fans that watch the team or pay attention to follow every game like I do. Um, you know, so so it's it's significant already. To me, it's already a beyond significant. Obviously, we want to win the national title. We, like I'm a part of the team. But obviously, our, you know, school wants to win the national title. That's the goal at this point. That's But the, but they reached their goal of where they wanted to go. I know a step further from last year. But I know the players, they are motivated to take it all the way. And every team that's there believes you couldn't get there without that belief. Um, so they're going to continue to believe that. So uh, I, the significance of a men's basketball title, uh, to me, I know football's it reigns supreme across the board. But to me, being a college basketball fan would, would be amazing. I, I, I'd be elated for a long period of time. Uh, and be as happy as I am for any championship I've witnessed for any team that I've moved for. Maybe the happiest. Well, we will see. One step away from being in that title game, Miami and UConn coming Saturday night in NRG Stadium. Ari Russell, I wish you were there with me. You have been with me over and over and over. I was I was uh, going backwards. You have been with me like seven times in the last 10 11 years at this thing granted there was no tournament pandemic craziness of 2020 we weren't allowed to be there because of restricted media attendance in 2021 but we were there in the superdome last year we were there in minnesota in 19 we were there in san antonio in 18 we were there in arizona in 17 i'm going backwards we were there in, in uh houston in 16 for the chris jenkins incredible shot oh, yeah. uh for villanova so I wish you were here with me. I understand why you are not. More reasons than one. Now let's see what the Hurricanes will do in your absence with me there. I'm your proxy. I'm there. We'll stay connected that way. We'll see what happens with Miami and UConn. 
All right, as if I have to say this, enjoy it. Don't get too nervous. Don't break furniture. Don't throw things. Set a good example for the daughter for the national semifinal. She already breaks enough things anyway. So, <laughs> Listen, this has been great stuff. Go Canes for you. Yes. Uh, the U. Let's see what happens with the game Saturday. Ari Russell, thank you for helping me preview it here on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Thanks, TJ. The conversation continues in a moment. First, let's tell you again about our friends at Ticket Smarter and the Ticket Smarter mobile app and the offer they have for Final Four weekend. One more time, if you're trying to go to those games in Houston, Texas, and you're on the secondary market, we want you to use Ticket Smarter. Why do we want you to use Ticket Smarter? Because you're going to find the most competitive prices on the secondary market through their algorithm, through their technology. You're going to get the best price available with what they have. Plus, your purchase is 100% guaranteed. Your purchase is 100% safe with Ticket Smarter and their technology. You can't say that about everybody else that's out there on the secondary market. You can with Ticket Smarter. And we've got a promo code offer. If you're going to the games for this weekend for March Madness in NRG Stadium in Houston, use our promo code HOOPS23 at Ticket Smarter and take $50 off your order of $400 or more. The get-in price right now just for the top of the arena is still well over 150 bucks. If you spend 400 or more, take $50 off with our promo code hoops23. The lower level seats are much more than that to get a pair of them. Right now for San Diego State, Florida Atlantic, Miami Yukon on Saturday plus the championship game Monday night. Again, Ticket Smarter, the Ticket Smarter mobile app. Lots of great reasons. Competitive pricing, 100% satisfaction guaranteed on your purchase. Your purchase is guaranteed. You're going to get your tickets immediately, securely through the Ticket Smarter technology in the mobile app. And remember our promo code HOOPS23 to get $50 off your order of $400 or more. Think smarter for the final four. Think Ticket Smarter. Promo code HOOPS23. And the madness has narrowed down to four teams in Houston, Texas, San Diego State, Florida Atlantic, up first on Saturday night at NRG Stadium, followed by Miami and UConn. And I've got to come back for the wisdom and the insight to the guy that does this throughout the year, Blogging the Bracket. Chris Dobertine is back with me from bloggingthebracket.com, the SB Nation family of websites. I love Chris's insight uh, as we approach the bracket being released, and did the committee get it right or get it wrong? I got to come back around to you, Chris, one more time here before the final four to get some more conversation mm -hmm. first. How are things? Is your are your brackets? Speaking of blogging the bracket, are your brackets blown <laughs> up like everybody else's brackets are blown up, my friend? Oh yeah, for the second year in a row, I didn't get a single final four team right. But you know, I don't think anybody other than UConn fans and maybe some Miami fans. Um, you know, can say that they have at least one team still alive at this point. Uh, it, I mean, almost none of us have anybody alive. I was shocked when I saw this, just as a fun thing while we digress for a second. ESPN says in their bracket challenge, they had over 20 million, 20 million entries, not necessarily 20 mm -hmm. million people, Yeah, over 20 million. They said they had 6,000 brackets, 6,000 with San Diego State, Florida Atlantic, Miami, and UConn. And I, honest to God, Chris, thought that was 5,997 more brackets than they would have those four teams. Yes. That's remarkable. Yeah. That's remarkable yeah. that there were that many. I don't uh, I don't have yeah. an explanation on, on that. <laughs> is this a good thing? Is this a good thing that we've got three first-time Final Four teams? Do you believe, you know, absent the brand names like we saw last year, Duke, Carolina, and the Coach K storyline, and Kansas there, is this a good thing every once in a while to have this, the new blood and the no names and the nobodies that we don't really know for Final Fours? Yeah, absolutely. And for many different reasons, um, for starters, you look at, you know, what college football has become where it's, you know, nobody has a chance except for a handful of schools. You know, this is something that 
you know, having three first-timers, two out of mid-major conferences, even though, you know, there's going to be some realignment potentially with at least one of them um, into a major conference potentially, you know, I think that's a great sign for showing that, yeah, there is, you know, talent is spread throughout the country. The transfer portal we've talked about, you know, has really opened up, you know, talent and gotten you know, good players all over the place, more evenly distributed than they've ever been before. And I think that that really helps there. Um, name, image, likeness, I think, is another big thing that has kind of helped and I think might grow from this. Um, but yeah, it's the growth of the sport. It shows that the sport is not stagnant. You know, it's not the same people. It's not the same blue bloods. You know, that, that anybody really has a chance, which is what the joy of the tournament is. Only this year, that wasn't really limited to the first weekend it expanded all the way you know to houston and i think that that's going to be a great thing for the sport as the years go on yeah no doubt okay so let's go to conference usa where florida atlantic obviously resided florida atlantic dominated for the most part the regular season ends up winning the regular season title ends up winning the conference tournament title game it's easy to say now i get this part of the argument that did they get the seating wrong on florida atlantic but i want to come at it like this did the committee make a mistake that Conference USA maybe should have been a two-bid league? Because you look at the NIT, at the time that Chris and I are taping this, the NIT championship game is set. That's who? That's UAB and North Texas out of Conference mm. USA, at least for now, until they move on next year, and so does Florida Atlantic. They all move on to the American Conference. But you also have Charlotte, which won the lesser tournament, the CBI tournament. Conference USA, as we tape this, has not lost a March postseason game in these three postseason tournaments. So can we not conclude that the committee should have been taking a stronger look at CUSA for a second team? What say you? Yeah, I think absolutely. And this, you know, goes into the issue that I think that we have with evaluating teams, especially, you know, now that we have the net. And it seems that everything is based on that quadrant system. And I think that in a lot of cases, especially in the power conferences, that overvalues a lot of those games and undervalues a lot of the games, you know, especially road games played, you know, in these mid-major conferences, you know, especially since the stakes are a lot higher. And I think that that's something people kind of forget, that you're really playing for seeding to get yourself in position, you know, to have the best chance at securing your conferences one bid in a lot of those leagues. And that's a lot of pressure. You're not like the Big Ten where you, you know, are getting 20 conference games, you know, three quarters of which are going to be against teams that are going to have a chance at the field, which is going to artificially inflate, you know, your profile. And I think that that's something that we, as a sport, college basketball needs to get around that, a better way to evaluate teams, you know, based on schedules, based on, you know, strength of conferences and how, really how difficult it is to win on the road, Um not just in power conferences, but, you know, from coast to coast. And one thing that I joke about as we talk with Chris Dobertine, again, he does a great job with blogging the bracket, blogging the bracket.com. Follow Chris on social media, Chris Dobertine, spell it D-O-B-B-E-R-T-E-A-N. Love his insight on this. This is why I lean on him. Uh, but w one thing that we that we talk about here uh, with this is they got to pick a lane because they tell us the net ranking is supposed to mean something, not everything means mm -hmm. something. Yeah. But then yeah. you look at UAB in particular, who was in the conference uh, title game, who now is in the NIT final for whatever it's worth. UAB's net ranking was better than 
uh, Mississippi State, if I have it correct, but definitely better than Pitt and definitely better than Arizona State, who were in the first four. And that's the NCAA's own metric that they're using to judge while they gave Conference USA one bid out of uh, out of the yeah. league and the Pac-12 got multiple bids and the ACC got multiple bids where Arizona State and Pitt came out of with much lower net rankings. So I, I think it's, it's worthwhile. Hey, another one on San Diego State while I have you here for a moment. Again, okay. top 25 program, won the Mountain West regular season in what the committee deemed was a four-bid league. They mm-hmm. deemed it to be a good league. They then won the conference tournament. Yet they were shipped east in the opening uh, in the opening round as a five seed. Can we yeah. conclude now that the committee got it wrong on San Diego State that they should have looked stronger at how strong the league was, San Diego State's place in it, the fact that they won the league, they won the conference tournament, were they underseeded? What say you? Yeah, I, I think they were because you kind of look back at what they're you know, selection sheet looked like, and, you know, they didn't have any bad losses, no quad three, no quad four losses. You know, they had a really strong non-conference strength of schedule because they end up playing in the Maui Invitational. And, you know, they were able to get good games against a lot of the other, you know, Western mid-majors, um, which kind of gave them a nice little boost. So, uh, you know, I thought that for sure that they were probably going to end up getting, if they won both, they were probably going to end up as a five, just because the committee was kind of undervaluing the Mount West anyway, not necessarily because of the the teams this year, but because, you know, they haven't had the greatest track record and performance in the tournament up to this right. year. Um, and I think that hurt, especially when you kind of looked at where, you know, Boise State in particular was seated a little bit further, you know, a little bit lower than I thought, you know, you know Nevada getting sent to that opening round game. So I, I think that might have hurt a little bit, but I mean, if you take that all out of the picture, this is a team, you know, as Pat Kelsey has tweeted, I think after every victory, better than a five seed for sure. <laughs> well, and they they looked like it against Alabama, certainly, who was, was regarded as arguably the top team in the tournament and handled them. And I get there are people yelling at us right now. We can't hear them, Chris, that the tournament performance <laughs> shouldn't matter on yeah. – your body of work and whether you deserve to be in what we're saying is shouldn't there be a closer look if you're taking four bids out of this league as a committee and San Diego state specifically won that league and won the conference tournament on the neutral floor that maybe that's worth more than what you gave it as a, as a fight. Like for example, they're only one seed line behind St. Mary's. Uh, and St. Mary's didn't win the West Coast Conference outright and did not win, got blown out in the West Coast Conference yeah. Tournament Championship game. Exactly. So yeah. it's just one more thing to look at. couple more moments. So San Diego State and Florida Atlantic play each other. I don't know if you've heard that. I'm joking. I think you have heard that. <laughs> one of them is in the National Championship game, Chris. This is, uh, I mean, get ready. Buckle. This is wild for Saturday night that one of those teams has to win the game and will be playing Monday night for the title. Well, you know, it's shades of, you know, 2011, the first year that we actually had the first four, where that opening game in Houston, again, was, you know, Butler and BCU. So it's kind of a similar situation there, though I think that at this point, you know, both Florida Atlantic and San Diego State are better teams than Butler or VCU were that year. So at the very least, I think we're going to get a little bit more of a compelling competitive championship game on monday night than we did that year which was just 
probably one of the worst championship games <laughs> yeah. in college basketball history. Yeah, um, so I think that that's, I think that's a good start. Um, it's really hard to pick <laughs> a winner between these two because you know the San Diego State defense is so good, but you know Florida Atlantic just seems so unstoppable right now. I mean, I think that that's you know you kind of look at what they did, particularly against Kansas State, where it looked like that that was going to be it, and they just kept on coming. And I think that that's going to be the main difference. If San Diego State can kind of buckle down a little bit and and stop that, I think they'll get through. But otherwise, I think, you know, Florida Atlantic is going to be on their way to the national championship game on the way out to the American. That is crazy. And if it, I mean, you and I, uh, you're not in you. You were in the state of Florida. You you have been in the past. If this ends up Florida Atlantic, Miami and Miami. Beach, yeah. UConn, I mean, the all the all beach. Uh, championship game. How bonkers uh, to conclude 2023 if that's the case. 32nd answer. Do you give Miami much of a puncher's chance against a UConn team that's looked so good? I mean, UConn is now having to come to a third different place and continue to shoot the ball well, and so does Miami. But at what kind of chance do you give Miami in the second semifinal? I, I give Miami a lot, you know, a, a really decent chance, especially when you think about what they did with, against Texas, because Texas – you know, they were another team that looked kind of like that they were going to be the unstoppable object, the immovable object with the way they were playing, you know, heading into Sunday. So, yeah, give them a chance. But I I, I do think that UConn ends up winning in the end just because they absolutely look like the best team in the country. They look like they did back in November and December. Fascinating if it's them against San Diego State with that defense. Will they get the same shots? Will they make the same shots? UConn yeah. in a potential title game. We don't know that answer. Does UConn even get there? Is Miami in the way? Does Miami knock them off? Miami beats Texas, and you know this, Chris, in a second-half comeback down by 13 without making yeah. a three-point shot. In the modern is college just, game, it's bizarre. It's crazy. That is absolutely incredible that they were able to do that. You know, it was a throwback. You know, people were throwing around, you know, all the talk the last time, you know, that we had three first-timers in the final four back before we had seeding and all that. And you look at the scores of those games, and it's like, you were able to do all of this without a three-point shot? And it's, you know, it's kind of a throwback to that, you know, that if you just, you know, control the pace, you know, get turnovers, get some stuff in transition, you know, get yourself good shots. You're going to be your able free to throws. score. Make your free Make throws. Your fr yes. 28 of yes. 32 from the foul line against Texas. Hello. Which is, yeah. You know, get those opportunities and then make them. And that's, uh, that is the key to victory. Yep. Well, we'll see what the keys to victory are this weekend. Listen, I have loved having you uh, throughout the, I'm going to go through uh, Chris Dauber team withdrawal here uh, for the off season, <laughs> but I, I, I promise I'll come back around to blogging the bracket.com. People should go there because it won't be long before you're blogging the bracket again uh, for this fall. Yep. Let's, let's see what happens, Chris, with San Diego state FAU, Miami and Yukon, Connecticut. The last time this was in Houston without a number one seed was 2011 and Connecticut as Chris just referenced, won it. Are we looking at yeah. that omen again, 12 years later, back in Houston, no number one seeds, Connecticut wins it again. We'll see. We'll see what happens by the time we get to Monday night. Chris, thank you. As always, I appreciate the insight on college basketball, coast to coast, whenever you're on with me. Let's have fun with the final four. Thank you, my friend. Absolutely. Thank you, TJ.
And there we go. That will do it for this edition of College Basketball Coast to Coast in a Final Four preview mode. My thanks again earlier in the show for Mark Wise being with me at MW Hoops. Mark's insight from the ESPN family of networks and the SEC network on college basketball. Of course, he's been a national analyst with me for all those Final Fours like we were talking about. I mean, he and I go all the way back to those Gator back-to-back wins. He was doing some programming with us on SiriusXM, but also uh, for the Kansas win over my Memphis Tigers, 15th anniversary of that at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio. And as I start counting forward uh, to Final Fours in 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, Mark always with me, uh, and uh, was last with me in Minnesota in, uh, in 2019 for those. So I'm disappointed that I don't have him with me in Houston, but you got some great insight from him on what's going to happen here with San Diego State, Florida Atlantic, and Miami and UConn. Thanks also to the Miami apologist, alum Ari Russell with me, always been with me on College Basketball Coast to Coast. That's his school, the U. What will happen with Miami in the late night Saturday game uh, with UConn? We will find out. And Chris Daubertine, bloggingthebracket.com as well. I uh, love his insight uh, throughout the whole process of of figuring out the field of 68 and now into the final four. Again, follow him at Chris Daubertine, D-O-B-B-E-R-T-E-A-N and bloggingthebracket.com. So there you go. There's a final four preview. We're ready for everything from Houston on Saturday. Don't forget more content Saturday uh, from Houston, including post game. No matter what happens with these two semifinals, we will know the two teams in the championship game long about midnight Saturday night. Can't wait to talk about more of that in the recap mode Saturday. We'll come back with a Sunday show as well to get you ready and preview the final four. Uh, full-fledged Final Four preview on the weekend, and then a Monday night recap as well. All from Houston, the space city that will host these teams, San Diego State, Florida Atlantic, Miami, and UConn go into the weekend. Two teams emerge on Monday night. One team will be a champion of what is arguably the craziest tournament. I mean, first time that we haven't had a number one seed in the Final Four in 12 years. And again, that's going back. To Houston 2011 when UConn won it with no other number one seeds there. VCU and Butler were two of the teams that were there in that Final Four. Uh, It is the first time since 1970 with three first-time teams in the Final Four. 1970 had Jacksonville, New Mexico State, and St. Bonaventure with that, oh, that UCLA team that kept winning the national title every year. So Jacksonville, St. Bonaventure, New Mexico, 1970, 53 years ago. Now it's San Diego State. Florida Atlantic and Miami. And are we going to get the beach Armageddon final four for Florida Atlantic and Miami? How wild would that be? We will find out in Houston coming up for now, though, we're good in the preview mode. Again, thank you for finding us follow or subscribe on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify. If you're following or subscribing, you'll get this show as soon as it's out, whether it's Saturday in the preview mode. Uh, My man, Tyler Jones is with me this weekend. Uh, from the Jones Report and out of the Dallas-Fort Worth market. T.C. Martin from Las Vegas will pop on the T.C. Martin Show five days a week in Vegas. He's covering this Final Four. Look forward to hearing from those guys and other Final Four guests this weekend. Get all the content by following or subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Live uh, coverage as well, streaming on the TuneIn channel. Get all the coverage on TuneIn, College Basketball Coast to Coast channel under TuneIn Premium. you got to have the premium service, but go under College Basketball. It's right there. Uh, for the Final Four weekend as well. Recap mode Saturday, programming again Sunday, Monday, and a recap of the national title game Monday night. It's all coming right here. I'm TJ Reeves. We're ready for the Final Four for San Diego State and FAU, for Miami and UConn. We cannot wait 
here on College Basketball Coast to Coast.